Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. That it is. Yep. And this week, we are doing something a little fun. Yes. You know, we were trying to figure out what to do this week, and we were like, let's do a Disney thing. And then I was like, Madigan, it's... Your birthday. Yeah. It is your birthday week. But I still don't like to choose. (laughs) I know. I know. You're like the greatest gift you could give me would be to make the decision for me. Why am I giving you a gift? It's not your birthday. I am so um, indecisive (laughs) as well where I'm like the best thing you could do for me is I'm more like whatever's going to make you happiest I want to do. So if you're going to be happy doing that, I'm fine with that. I mean, it was between Beauty and the Beast and Moana. I would have been happy either way. Yeah. So. Well, the only thing I was thinking of is that you you covered Moana as a feminist, Disney feminist fave, didn't you? Probably. I, I believe know. it was you because that was one of the other things I was thinking as I was like, we haven't covered really any Beauty and the Beast. And I feel like that's such a big one when you talk about like, problematic disney stuff yeah you know yeah yeah so beauty and the beast is one of my favorite disney movies i mean the animation is it's gorgeous and the songs are great and i loved Belle. you know growing up i absolutely did and i still you know i was gonna say i think there's a lot i don't blame Belle for anything i think Belle is well i blame the writers because i i think Belle makes some questionable decisions she makes some questionable decisions but at the same time you know, I, I was thinking about it after I'd read a little bit, but they were talking about how she was like one of the first princesses to show some autonomy. Yeah. I think that she has a lot of really great qualities. It shows, you know, young girls that you don't just have to sit around and wait for your prince to rescue you. You can enjoy reading books and having adventures. And I think that she does have a lot of well-roundedness. She just makes some really questionable choices. Yes. Yeah. I have some issues with the way this movie is written that we will get into. Um, But mainly it's that Belle is clearly the protagonist of this movie, but doesn't really have any character development or growth. I mean, other no, than the fact... No, she supports the growth of, of the, the other of the character. Story. Yeah. 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 Yes. So, okay. So... If you've listened to these episodes before or listened to episodes where we've kind of recapped movies or or discussed movies, um, we don't usually do a recap at the top. But I was thinking it might be helpful to just take us through, you know, the movie. And then once we get done with that recap, we can start to break down um, some of the history, the feminist elements or lack thereof uh, of the story and the characters. So let's do that. So... 
The story opens and you see the beast in the castle. He meets this old hag who knocks on his door and he is... Who are you calling an old hag? I think he might call her that. Does he he call her that? I don't know. Sorry I, if not. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Can I interject with the story really quick? Like, yes, just of course. Okay, so when I was like four years old, my mom wanted me out of the house for a night because I was always around. So sh- my aunt bought us tickets to go see the stage production of Beauty and the Beast because it was like one of my favorite movies. I was like so it's excited to go. stage production, yeah. Yeah, and so we were like one of the first rows and the first thing I see is this enchantress woman coming out and she scared the shit out of me so much that I booked it out of my seat, ran to the back of the theater and out the door. I was oh, terrified. Dear. So my aunt had to go chasing after me. And I remember the ushers like bribing me with bouncy balls and slinkies, like trying to get me to go back in. And I would not go in. I was like, no, I'm not. No, that scared me too much. I'm not doing it. So my aunt so had to take is, me home. <laughs> she's like, do you know how much I spent on these tickets? For real. Um, so this is when the en- enchantress is dressed up as the old, the, as in the, the old disguise, lady. As the yes. old lady. Okay. Um, because when she transforms into the beautiful enchantress, she is stunning. Yeah, but I was too, I didn't want to get to that point. I think my little child brain forgot that she mad again. You know, I, I was Such very scared of, cat. of the old hag. I am a scaredy cat. <laughs> I can't do haunted houses. It's too real. Like it's it's the realness of it. But yeah, that just when I was watching that scene this morning, I was getting flashbacks of being Ugh. bribed with bouncy balls. Well, he's very very mean uh, to this elderly woman who's he just is asking such him. a dick. He is such a dick. Like. She is just asking him for some help. He is clearly in the 1%, has this giant castle, uh, and he's like, I'm not going to help you. Like, what an asshole. And so she transforms into this beautiful enchantress, uh, and she puts a curse on him and basically says that he will live as a beast until he can love and be loved in return before the last petal of a rose that she bestows upon him falls and that would be on his 21st birthday which Which i didn't remember knowing from before why very young does everyone always have to be so young like i'm like and like uh, true love by 21 not just like someone that you like kind of like which happens infrequently under the best of circumstances i feel like under good circumstances that is unlikely to happen and also how old do we think the beast is when he turns her away. I think he's probably got to be pretty young. What would you say? It's like, oh, they say 10 years at some point. You've been stuck like this for 10 years. So he would have been like 11. But he's not 11 when you see him in that flashback. But he would have been 11. This is poor planning on the people who wrote this. There's holes all over the story. It doesn't make sense. Why not make him 15 and then make the thing 25? That would make so much more sense. Because they need the princess to be young because that's the only way they know how to make princesses. Yeah, because what? Is Belle like 18? Probably. I mean, most princesses are like 14 to 16, I feel like. So they can't have her marrying a 25-year-old. Horrifying. It's Truly. the whole thing is horrifying. We, we got to stop doing this. Like we got to up the age of the princesses and the princes. Up yeah. them, up them up. It's the same way I feel about um, the Bachelor, where I'm yes. just like, look, everybody should be in their late twenties, early thirties on exactly. this show. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. No more of this twenty, twenty-one year old. Yeah. What crap. are you doing? What are you doing? None of you are here for a commitment. Cut Let's it out. Let's just be real. 
Yeah. Stop trying to lie to me. So anyway, <laughs> he it has been cursed and all of his staff in his home have Which was also that been cursed. There? No. Why did she do there are children in there? I have a whole thing about the about the staff because I'm like, this is really not okay. It's really not okay. I get why you want to punish the beast, but yeah. the children? Really messed up. It's yeah, it's really messed up. Um Okay, cut to Belle. She is living in this small French provincial town. town. Yes, <laughs> provincial, some might say, uh, with her dad, Maurice, who is an inventor, quirky guy, doesn't seem to have a lot of patents under his belt. You know what I mean? He's still working. Yeah, and um, we like Belle because she is hot and knows how to read. Yes. That's basically... That's two things I love in a woman. I mean, me too. Uh, <laughs> who doesn't? Like... <laughs> aspirational I mean um, that's you just described yourself hot and loves to read <laughs> stop it I didn't even say loves to read I said knows how to read but yeah oh knows how to read I mean yeah oh we'll talk more about all of that stuff after you're done with the little she does appear synopsis. to love to read though. she does, she does. To read. um so much so that she like actively steals from her local bookseller just all the time because <laughs> she just goes in there and it's just like oh take this one yeah he's like you're hot so you go ahead pretty privilege everybody yeah, take it get out here um enter gaston who wants to be with Belle because she's hot uh and not like the other girls in town which we will also talk about uh so he's just toxic masculinity personified and this turns Belle off to her credit she's like no thank you yeah not into all of this so maurice sets off to showcase one of his inventions at a fair and while he's on his way he gets lost in the woods at night and then he stumbles upon a castle and lets himself in i mean i think he does like try to knock or whatever well i mean if this is the thing he's being chased by wolves oh that's right and there's a wrought iron gate and he gets to it and it's open like he just goes in again then he walks up to the castle the door is open he's looking for just some help because there's nothing else Around. I love this movie. I really do. It's so good. Like I that do scene too. when he goes into the house for the first time and it's all like eerie and Lumiere and, and Cogsworth are talking to each other. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, the so animation good. for this movie is so charming. It's so good. Yeah. I really do love it. So he goes in there um, when the beast finds him inside because, you know, he's being taken case by the fireplace, getting warmed up. Well, I think he was even like sitting in the beast's chair. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, get over yourself. Gosh, a 21 year old entitled. Toxic masculinity bullshit. Here. Honestly. Um, this enrages the beast who takes Maurice as prisoner. And this is when we are also introduced to all of the enchanted characters. So we've got Chip, the little boy who's like a little chipped teacup. Who was my favorite growing yeah, so up. Cute. I think it was every kid's favorite. Of course. So and good. then I think who's supposed to be his mother, Mrs. Mrs. Potts. Potts. Yeah, and there's also a bunch of other little teacups. It's not just him. It's not. She's got a bunch of little kids. And they all live They're all teacups. In the castle. Yes. Which is interesting. She tucks them into the little cabinet at night. Oh, gosh. So cute. It's um, fucked up. I mean, no, it's, very, it's very fucked up, but I remember thinking that was so cute. Like when she's giving them all a bath. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just like, oh, it's that's precious. Yeah. And God, Angela Lansbury. Oh, a treasure. Such a treasure. Is she still alive? I doubt it. She, if she is, she okay, is. Okay, wait, I'm Googling this right now. Sorry, Dame Angela Lansbury. 
I recently discovered because I was watching Prehistoric Planet, which if you have not seen it, is so good. Um, but David Attenborough is like 94 years old. He, she's 96. She's still alive. Wow. She was born October 16th, 1925. You know, I knew she had she's to be... She's 5'8"? Well, I mean, probably not anymore. You shrink when you get older. <laughs> that's a, like That's taller than I expected her to be. I pictured her as being kind of like Mrs. Potts, just this tiny little thing. Yeah. We underestimated her. Um, so you meet Chip, you meet Mrs. Potts, you meet Lumiere, who's like the French um, candlestick. You meet Cogsworth. Oui, oui. Uh, meanwhile, Gaston is trying to harass Belle into marrying him. And she's like, no, thank you, please. In the strongest possible terms, she rebuffs his advances, which does infuriate him. But he's also like, not to worry. I'm Gaston. I'll get her eventually. Right. Yeah. Maurice's horse arrives back at Belle's or his home where Belle is. And um, she's like, something must be wrong for the horse to come back without him. So she sets off to go find her dad. And she also winds up at the castle and finds her father locked up inside. And when the beast sees her in the castle, um, she's like, this is my prisoner. Sorry about you. And she's like, I will take my father's place. Let him go and I will take his place. And the beast is like, great, good, get in there. I'll lock you up. Honestly, the dad makes a good point when he's being pulled away. He's like, I'm old. I don't have life life left to live. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I have issues with Belle as a character because that is very noble. And I think like a lot of us would feel that way about our parents. Mm -hmm. But likewise, I think our parents would also feel that way about us, about like wanting to protect us. So I... I'm not upset with her for making that decision. No, that was her decision. But at the same time, it's like, well, and he's going to die. But I feel like and, you know, I just I feel like she is so noble and it really stuck with me. And I think imprinted on me that was just like, I always have to be the person. Yes. And like that does the better thing at my own detriment. (laughs) And at risk to my own safety and future. Because she sings this entire song about like, I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. And I want to lead this, you know. Yeah. And yes, you can argue that being locked up in a castle by a beast man. I mean, that's an adventure. It's it's an adventure. But it's going to get boring really fast. And it's not what you wanted. Because like the, the words to your song are very much like, I want to explore. I want to get out. I want to, you know, which is like you're being locked up in a castle. Yeah. I mean, to save her father, but at the to same time. Father. But yeah, it's just a bad situation all the way around. Yes. Uh, so the enchanted people objects uh, in this. The enchanted staff. The enchanted staff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they see Belle being there as an opportunity to lift the spell uh, just because... Yeah, literally the first girl to ever walk through right. the door. They're like, she's the look, one. there's one petal left and this woman is in close proximity. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's all we need. We can make love happen. <laughs> Which is like, okay. Let's force this love. Yes, let's do it. Uh, too bad the beast is kind of a dick. Uh, he sucks. He's yelling all the time. He's also holding her prisoner, which is a bit of a hiccup in the whole like love thing. Yeah. When Maurice returns to town, he tells everybody that Belle has been taken by the beast in the castle and they all think that he's delusional. And Gaston, not as dumb as I remember. I think I I always think of Gaston as being this like 
stupid meathead, but like actually no, he was pretty conniving. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He is pretty cunning, actually. And he sees this as an opportunity to get closer to Belle. And he's basically like, I'll be able to force her to marry me because if she refuses, I'll have her dad locked up in an insane asylum, which is one of the more evil things you can do as a Disney villain. Yeah. I feel like it's pretty It's pretty awful. fucked up. Yeah. And he takes steps to accomplish this. Yeah, with the scariest <laughs> the man scariest of all time. The scariest looking green receding hairline dude I've ever with seen. With the longest fingers. Oh. I just always remember those fingers. Remember, it's like, like, do you remember that weird video on YouTube from forever ago called Salad Fingers? Oh, yeah. Ooh, that grossed me out so much. Salad finger vibes for sure. Ooh. Um, back at the castle, the beast tries to force Belle to eat with him, but she doesn't want to because he's her kidnapper. Uh, so she screams, so he screams at her, go ahead and starve. He's throwing things. He's threatening to break the door down, right? Such a sweetheart. Some real messed up shit. And of course, uh, that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, like when he says, go ahead and starve. He's I was starved. So scared. It's terrifying. Yeah. So later that night, she gets hungry because, of course, she does. And so she goes to find something to eat, be our guest. Beautiful. <laughs> love love this sequence. Great song. Questionable lyrics, which we will discuss later. Yeah. Um, after she dances and eats and whatnot, she ventures into the west wing of the castle. Which she has been forbidden to going into. Forbidden, yeah. Uh, he explicitly and loudly told her that she was not allowed to go to the west wing, but she's like, I'm going to do it. Uh, so when he catches her in there, because she's captivated by a glowing rose, who wouldn't be? I mean, who be? wouldn't be? Mm-hmm. He absolutely loses his shit. He throws a full-on temper tantrum again. Like the fifth tantrum of the movie so yeah, far. Stop throwing furniture at me. It would be <laughs> great, you know. Um, so of course, why doesn't she like me? It's it's really not cool. It's like not. I am like Belle. You're 18, sweetie. Like you don't you don't have to do this. Yeah, you, you don't have to put up with this. You can find other men. But yeah. again, she is imprisoned, so. Yeah, but as we see, she can get out pretty easily. Like, it's so weird. It's like she's imprisoned, but literally nothing's stopping her from leaving. Well, yeah. So he says that she can go anywhere but the West Wing. We don't see her outside until after they start to kind of be friendly with each other. Yeah, but she leaves right now because she flees him because she's scared. Yes. So she gets on her horse and she runs away. Oh, that's right. Which is just like, okay, so... The door's just unlocked. Yeah, you like, can just go. She just left. And um, like, another note in my Stockholm Syndrome button then, okay. when you have the freedom to leave and you don't. Yeah, but she... Okay, we'll discuss. We'll discuss. But she runs away because apparently she can. And, you know, no one stops her. Not the enchanted objects. Not the beast. Nobody stops her from leaving. So she takes off um, and immediately she's in the scary, scary woods and gets attacked by some hungry wolves. Yeah. Luckily, the beast swoops in. Does he see her on his magic mirror? I believe he does see her on the mirror. Yeah. So he's like, you know, I'll let her go, but I am going to spy on her with this handy dandy magic mirror I have. Yeah. Uh, And sees that she is in danger. And so he does come white knight to the rescue to save her and he does save her but not before getting bit the fuck up she considers escaping at this point 
She's like, I could just GTFO, but which she should have, which she would have been would have been completely reasonable. Again, I really feel like this character shaped my idea of like, if you're a good person, even if somebody has abused you emotionally and physically and imprisoned you, they did one nice thing for you even though they put you in a situation to be hurt in yeah. the first place. And so you are under an obligation as a good, noble person to stay with them and nurse them back to health. Yep. Truly. And it really is like a light switch. Suddenly they're both like friendly with each other. After it's this. bizarre. Yeah. It, it, Unrealistic. Y- incredibly. Suddenly yeah. the beast doesn't have a temper anymore. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he does one thing whenever she puts like a warm washcloth on his arm and he like growls Rawr. at her and that, and she's like, no, and that's like the end of that. Yeah. And then like never again gets angry. Like all of his clearly deep seated anger issues. Gone. Yeah. Gone immediately. Well, and even like he's been a dick his whole life. Yeah, he exactly. Got to, and now it just takes one instance and Belle has changed him. Okay. Love can fix you. Don't worry about it. I was going to say, it. you can change a man. <laughs> and like, not even love. Just like you've known each other for 12 hours, maybe. <laughs> yeah, what is the timeline here? How long was she locked up in there? I mean, I think all of that was the same day. Was it? Yeah, because Maurice goes back and... You're right. It can't be more than like a day. That that whole thing. Wow. So, yeah, he expected her to be like soups chill with like eating with him. Didn't give her any time to like acclimate to her surroundings. And then she escaped and then he rescued her and then there. Now she wants to stay. Great. Yeah, they're great. Okay. So anyway, uh, this is when, like we said, things between Belle and the Beast begin to change. He stops being like an absolute complete asshole to her and starts showing her just the barest minimum of human decency. The most basic. Yeah. Also, he shows her his giant library, which... (laughs) I will say this I is the first you, were, you said giant and I was like what's she gonna say I mean, <laughs> let's be we don't need to talk about it his giant library I mean he is what he's like nine feet tall he's, That's what, it's, he's I mean anyway it's not gonna be not <laughs> impressive <laughs> Ooh, this took a turn um where were we <laughs> It's getting hot in here. (laughs) Library. Library. Which I will say, this is the first thing that I see that I'm like, hmm. I would stay there Maybe I would stay. Yeah, it's pretty compelling. It is a great library. It was every book lover's dream to play in that library. Oh my gosh. Like I was just amazed. How you keep it clean? No idea. Because it would get so dusty in there. Uh, But gorgeous. Uh, and she starts, you know, she's like, he's got books. So she starts seeing him in a, a completely different light. And dare I say, she begins to fall in love with him. Then they have a fancy dress up two person ball, <laughs> which looking back on as an adult, I'm like, hmm. OK. And again, like, I don't know what the timeline is here. They have a whole like porridge eating thing. There's a song montage. She's like teaching him to be like normal like how to, <laughs> how to eat, eat like a, a normal spoon. her person yeah. yeah they have a snowball fight I, so i don't know how much time has passed but i can't imagine that much time because her dad is still like in the woods looking for her yeah so i don't know how much time but probably a few days which seems pretty fast-tracked to then be like do you want to have a ball a full ball 
just the two of us. <laughs> Only I mean, honestly, it sounds kind of fun. There's no small talk with anybody else. Yeah. You're no, just sit at that giant you, table on opposite ends. Yeah, that that I'm a no go for. But just like give me a, give me no reason to dress up. And that's a reason. You know what I mean? Like, let me just put on a giant I, ball gown. I will around. dress up for no reason. Truly. Right? Yeah, not? that's it's true. And, you know, we get the beautiful Beauty and the Beast song. Ugh. So they're having a lovely time. But Belle, of course, is like, hey, I have a whole dad that you separated me from. And I kind of miss him a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Which. Yeah. Duh. What? <laughs> of course. So the Beast is like, no big deal. I didn't tell you, but this whole time I've had this magic mirror. So you can just take a quick peek, see, and see what your dad's up to. And I'm, I was going to say this later when we were recapping, but this fucks me up. She's like, I really want to see my dad. And instead of just letting her go physically see him, he's like, I can't let you do that. But here's this mirror so you can watch him. Yeah, that's it's not weird. the same. She can watch him, but she can't be with him. I was like, that's not a solution. No, it's not. And I think like maybe it's just like, OK, well, if you want to see him right this second, because you don't know where he is. You just want to make sure he's okay. I'm like, okay, whatever with the mirror. But also it's weird to me that like, this is a woman that you're falling in love with. And yes, there does seem to be that weird protective thing of like, he doesn't want her to go. Yeah. And then also you've had this mirror this whole time. She could have been like making sure her dad's okay. Like it didn't even occur to the beast that she might care. That even seems like torture. Like if I couldn't see my mom, I could just see her through a mirror and what she's doing in her day to day life. I would go insane. Yeah. But I couldn't be like, hi, I love you and I miss you. You know what I mean? It is a pretty big violation of privacy. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Like when he spies on her. Oh, he's on the toilet. I'm just kidding. (laughs) When he spies on her, when the beast spies on Belle with the mirror, I'm like, this feels wrong. Wrong. Yeah. So she takes a look in the mirror and she sees that her poor dad has been out looking for her. He's lost and alone and scared. And she's like, I need to go to my dad because he's old and lost and alone and scared and looking for me in the scary, scary woods. Yeah. And the beast lets her go. And he's like, you're no longer a prisoner. And we're all supposed to be like, thanks so much. Why did you kidnap her in the first place? He literally has no reason to have taken Maurice or Belle And to prisoner. keep them forever? It's very weird. It's a very strange sentence yeah. for entering. Mm-hmm. Not even breaking. They just entered. Yeah. <laughs> So she goes, she finds Maurice, she takes him home, and when she does, Gaston tries to imprison Maurice for being delusional, unless Belle will marry him, but then she proves that Belle, oh, she proves that the Beast does exist using the mirror that the Beast gave her. So... He's like, never mind. Again, Gaston's no dummy. I don't know how he pivoted so quickly where he's just like, I'm going to get this entire village yep, to go to kill the beast. Fuck up this beast real quick. So uh, the entire village, again, another banger. This song, Kill the Beast. I always love the villain songs. Like, Me they're too. always so good. So they attack the castle. The um, enchanted objects fight back. Mm-hmm. That was always one of my favorite things when yep. all the objects do what they do and, and fight the invaders. Meanwhile, Belle and Maurice are locked in the basement, I think, of their house or yeah, something like that. Cellar, maybe? Yeah. A cellar. And Chip, who had stowed away with Belle. He wanted to go with. Yes. Yeah. Just left Mrs. Potts like she meant nothing to well, him. He, he wanted adventure too. Yeah, you're right. Um, but he stood away with Belle and helps them to escape. 
So Belle and Maurice rush to the castle and find Gaston and the Beast fighting. The Beast is all heartbroken and emo and sad. So he's not really fighting back with Gaston. He's just like, it's over for me, dog. Belle doesn't love me. Whatever. So Gaston straight up stabs him and shoots him with a bow and arrow. Yeah. Which is very graphic, I think, for a Disney movie. Yeah. And um, then he sees Belle and he's like, she came back. She does love me. I'm going to fight back and throws Gaston off the side of the castle. Bye. uh, Where he goes bye bye and dies. The beast is now dying from the stab wound or arrow wound or whatever. And uh, then Belle is like, hey, actually, I love you. And that breaks the curse and also and apparently heals, heals him. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, your wounds are. They're gone. Okay. And he turns into a super hot redhead. Yeah. It's like a strawberry blonde situation. Mm-hmm. Big blue eyes. So his name is Adam, right? I don't know. Is it? So uh, there's the princes. It's like that in Prince Charming where they never say the name in the movie, but then they like have names. It's weird. Yeah. It's- Pretty sure his human name is Adam. Yeah, Adam doesn't sound right. Like no. It, it doesn't sound... <laughs> Sounds like a classmate. It doesn't sound like a Disney prince. Yeah, I feel like they could have done better. I wonder yeah. if that's canon to the fairy tale. Like, why? Why'd they pick Adam? I don't think so, because the fairy tale is French. Yeah. That's, um, Good point. <laughs> they all have French names except for him. Yep. Weird. But anyway. If anyway. that's true, I just feel like I remember seeing an Adam somewhere. I don't know. Well, we'll look it up later and uh, correct ourselves. Maybe never. Um, but <laughs> yeah, never. I'm not doing that. <laughs> they, end, they end up, you know, together happily ever after. All of the enchanted uh, staff turn back into people. Yeah. And everybody's happy. Everyone's happy. Chip asks his mom at the end, are they going to live happily ever after? And Mrs. Potts is like, they sure are. And that's the end. How of the do movie. you know Mrs. Potts? I don't know. She'll know shit. You don't. Actually, they barely know each other. Anyway, exactly. So this feels like a good spot to take a break. Let's and do then it. when we get back, we can talk all about everything there is to talk about. about Let's this do it. Okay. And we're back. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the history of Beauty and the Beast before we hop into talking about the movie? Yeah. So I don't have a whole lot of notes on this, but just for a little bit of backstory, according to researchers, the story originated about 4,000 years ago. Beauty and the Beast was rewritten from previous tellings by a 18th century French woman by the name of Jean Mar- Jean-Marie. Jean-Marie, I'm horrible at the French language. You all know this. Uh, Le Prince de Beaumont. And Beaumont had written the story specifically for young girls. Scholars today have seen Ooh. the story. Oh, yeah, I know. I feel like that's not a good look. <laughs> yeah, well, so this is the thing. Scholars today have seen that the story was a way to prepare young girls in 18th century France for arranged marriages. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, look, this is why we have problems because yeah. you're trying to adapt a story that is like that old and try and make it relevant to a 90s audi- audience. You yeah. know? So, of course, there's going to be issues. The source material is fucked. <laughs> yeah. So, Beaumont's version of Beauty and the Beast is framed as a story that a governess is telling her young charges, girls aged 
5 to 13. And its lesson is that arranged marriages aren't as scary as you may think. Your new husband might seem monstrous, but underneath it all, he has a good heart that only you can bring out Ew, in him. I hate everything about that. Once the young wife learns to see the goodness in her husband's heart and love him for that, he will come to seem beautiful and brilliant to her. I am horrified. Yes, exactly. But it was in Beaumont's Beauty and the Beast uh, that it became part of the story that Belle was compelled to save her father as part of the story as well. Today, specifically in the, in the United States, we don't look as fondly at arranged marriages. <laughs> so seeing Belle being taken by the Beast looks to us a lot like a hostage situation. Well, it it's a kidnapping. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know that she agrees to stay, but he is imprisoning her. Yeah. And she agrees to stay because he kidnapped her dad. Yeah. Exactly. What? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, it is all kind of if you think about marriage and it's like very old sense, it's like you're taking the daughter from the father to be their new watcher their new keeper in a way you know Mm. what I mean and I think that that's a very like literal thing that they did in Beauty and the Beast as well so it is interesting to if you think about it um in that sense it is pretty fucked up as much (laughs) as I love this movie we need to stop like can we please please just come up with some new fairy tales we have got to stop trying to adapt and modernize these like ancient yeah Because the Brothers Grimm hated women, hated women. Like they made them the most like least active characters and things like that. It was the Wicked Stepmothers, so on and so forth. And this wasn't a Brothers Grimm story, but they all kind of give the same kind of woman hating vibe. Yeah, it's from a time where women were actually property. I feel like we try so desperately to modernize these stories and it's like, but why? Yeah. (laughs) Stop it. Yeah. We need whole new ones, right? So I want to talk a little bit about the release of the film. Like we said, it was released in 1991 and it was actually a huge success. Alan Menken and Howard Ashman's song Beauty and the Beast won the Academy Award for Best Original Song and Menken's score won for Best Score. The film was also nominated for Best Picture and Best Sound. And until 2009 with Up, it was the first and only animated picture to ever be nominated for Best Picture. I mean, it is a beautiful movie. It is absolutely stunning the one scene I almost called it a drone shot because that's what it looks like but yeah. it's like when they're dancing and it comes down mm-hmm. like oh the animation of that yeah. is so stunning that scene and the scene when they go into the library for yeah. the first time they, they're so, so cinematic yeah. like it, it's very cinematic animation yeah, yeah. definitely The screenwriter for the film was Linda Wolverton, who was the first woman to write an animated Disney film. Uh, She does talk in an article that I read about how she had certain ideas for Belle that would be like fought against. Like she had written a scene where Belle was like tacking pins on a map of all the places she wanted to go and visit. Well, you know, it makes sense that that got stricken from the story. Yeah, because and this is an issue that I have with this movie you have her doing her mission song in the beginning. Yeah. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want more than this provincial life. And then Belle doesn't, from the, from an outside perspective, she doesn't really get what she wants at the end of the movie. It's not no. about her getting what she wants. And it's about the beast being able to survive. <laughs> right. And and love 
and presumably marriage is good enough for yeah. Belle. And so I think having a scene where she was tacking all the places she wanted to go would actually just be really sad. It to would be me. very sad. Well, they, I guess, suggested a scene where Belle was decorating a cake and they compromised on making her a book lover. So that's how we got our little book loving Belle in there. Uh, so that's pretty much all I have for the before stuff. I have a ton of notes on Stockholm Syndrome and stuff, but I'm assuming that that's just going to come up as we talk. <laughs> I'm certain that it will. Okay. Uh, so let's, let's talk about Belle a little bit more. Um, I think a lot of people thought that Beauty and the Beast was a more feminist Disney movie at the time it came out because Belle has a personality. We talked about this uh, with Little Mermaid. Yeah. I think people were just like blown away that, whoa, a Disney princess with personality because before this it was you had your your sleeping beauties who literally had 11 lines of dialogue in the entire film. right you had your um Snow White who did nothing, nothing to help herself in that whole movie and Cinderella who made very few active choices of her own yeah. um so having a princess that had a personality automatically made her feminist and she could read yeah again so yeah um, she she liked to do things that women at the time were not expected to enjoy yeah I mean I'm I'm really not trying to hate on Belle I really love Belle uh and of, it's how Belle was written let's not blame Belle it's, it's not Belle's <laughs> yeah fault. and of the 90s Disney princesses or you know Disney princesses up until this point she is fairly well-rounded and complex by comparison even if she is peak this is so 90s. She's so peak, not like the other girls. Yeah. Right? Like, and they even make that comments a lot throughout the movie about how like that's why Gaston loves her and all this kind of stuff is because she's not like the other girls in town. It's very early third wave 90s feminism where yeah. it's just like you have to be different and not like the other girls to be cool. And yeah. it's like... And they really do. I understand the message. You know, I understand why people take away feminist messaging because the other women in town are either these like very overwhelmed mother family types. Like, I need six eggs. Right. Like, yeah. Um, matronly types. Or there are these like kind of bimbos yeah like you know they, they consider them like oh these women these like airheaded, kind of airheaded. yeah exactly um, blonde busty women who their only goal is to get the attention of Gaston yeah those are the two and, and because they show all the attention Gaston doesn't want them right and so play she, hard to get she feels more feminist because she's like I don't want to be put in these boxes that women are traditionally kept in either motherhood or seeking the approval and validation of a man which is like, yeah. The opening great. scene, you know what, is a lot of very positives about Belle. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's kind of the outcast, the one that sticks out in the town. It seems like she and her father probably moved there later in life. She's like, it's been the same since we came to this town. So she really is kind of like a, a, a transplant to that area. Yeah. and doesn't feel like she really fits in. Everybody thinks it's super weird that she likes to read. Yes. I, it's like people are really upset about it. Except for the bookseller who's like, take all the free books you want. No like, one else in this town knows how to read. Please yeah. give me some yeah, business. But, all right? the more, but but she doesn't give him business. No. <laughs> she just takes, she's just stealing books. I can't get. I can't. Is it a library though? I don't think so. Because oh. he, she's not stealing them because he does say like, you don't need to pay me. Okay. Well, there you go. Because she's pretty. It's because she's, it's pretty. Because she's pretty. Yeah, it, it really is. But she's she's not passive right like and I think that that's what makes us kind of like her even Ariel feels very 
because she doesn't talk at all and yeah. like what she wants is to just like well but again and in the beginning of the movie I think we see a lot of Ariel's like wants and desires and then that's taken away as he needs to take her voice away right yes but even Ariel's song is like I want to live on land and it's like well at least she got what she wanted that's like, a great point you know? yeah whereas Belle kind of doesn't. didn't she got the opposite of that well and when we're talking about Belle's uh, character we see Gaston come into the scene mm-hmm. when she is reading her book and he is so rude he th- looks at the book and he's like there's no pictures in here and Belle's like use your imagination and he's like this book is stupid and throws it in the mud yeah he's pretty awful you like this girl you want her to like you back and you're gonna throw her things in the mud well I feel like men still do that I feel like that's just negging you know it is well and as he does it Gaston says it's not right for a woman to read soon she starts getting ideas and thinking well look I mean I don't love the way that this movie portrays most other women yeah (laughs) in the movie but if you want a woman who who doesn't have a lot of ideas it seems like there's a few you have options like there's a few to pick from yeah you know um to Belle's credit she does stand up to the beast when he's mistreating her you mean Gaston no oh, the beast oh sorry I moved to the beast got it um I mean she does turn down Gaston and is very firm about not wanting to be his wife at all which is great she you know exercises her agency there and then when she is with the beast and he is being an absolute piece of shit to her um she does stand up for herself. She's like, I'm not going to go eat dinner with you. You know, don't yell at me like that. She doesn't say yeah. those words, but that's kind of like what the, what the vibe she's is. Yeah. Right. Um, so I do like that. That's not for nothing. Right? It is not for nothing. We then go and meet her father at their house and he's working on one of his many inventions. And I just wrote that I think Belle and her father are so sweet together. I actually really like that relationship. She is so encouraging of him and he's just kind of all over the place and she just loves him for who he is. But I then had the thought, there's not even a mention of a mom. Yeah, no. What happened to her? Uh, I'm guessing she died. Yeah. Right? Before they moved to town. They always kill those moms off, right? There's always, yeah, one one parent's always gone. Yeah. For sure. Um, But yeah, no, I like the father-daughter relationship there. I mean, he is a little spacey, a little airheaded. Yeah, Um, she's probably caring for him a bit more than he's caring for her a lot of the time. Which is only an issue for me because that seems to be the role that bell is always in you know which i'm which i feel like is like that because she is this perfect noble kind woman this ideal flawless kind of person goddamn Um, angel because you don't really see any of you don't see any flaw like bell does not have flaws she is perfect um so that's the only kind of only reason why i would have any kind of complaints about that but he understands her. He accepts her. He's okay with the fact that she wants to read. And, yeah, you they're know. both like little weirdos together. And I love it. They're just absolutely adorable. Um, so the dad's invention works. And he's very excited. He's like, I got to take this to the fair right away. And it's like nighttime. Right away, too. Which I'm like, you can't. Is the fair happening right That's now? what I was going to say. Do we know when the fair is? The fair is just an ongoing thing. Like, I guess. Yeah, okay. And why he decides to leave when it's going to be dark soon, I'm not really sure. Um, but he does get lost. So maybe it just took him longer than he thought it was going to take him. But he gets lost on the way in the woods and he's on his horse. Eventually, the horse gets spooked and runs off, which leaves poor old daddy-o Maurice just completely lost in the woods. And like I mentioned earlier... 
wolves came and started chasing him and trying to attack him. And he runs into this huge wrought iron gate, decides to go in. The door is open to the castle. He walks himself right in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, the Maurice character, I feel like is kind of very similar to me uh, to the Sultan character from Aladdin. Just kind of this like silly, bumbling father character like a heart's in the right place he means well but he actually generally ends up causing more chaos yeah which Uh, is exactly what he does mm -hmm. so the next scene and i didn't remember this we go back to the town bell and all that fun stuff and gaston has an entire wedding thrown for her like guests and everything which i didn't remember from watching it before but he's like welcome to my wedding day i just have to propose now yeah I did remember that. Yeah. It's like at her house. It's at her house. Yeah. And he goes inside and he's like cornering her and backing her up into a wall. Thank God there's a door behind her that she can like open up and kind of like push him out. And then he like falls into the mud or whatever. And yeah. I mean, one thing I will say to the movie's credit is this is an example of that like relentless pursual trope of just like I'm just going to keep going and keep going and keep pushing where it is portrayed as creepy and predatory and like not okay because I feel like so often especially in cartoons that behavior is seen as romantic as romantic and they get their way in the end and so um, that is one thing I will say to this movie's credit is that it's seen as predatory and that she does stand up to Gaston and is just like absolutely never yeah will I ever be with you but he ends up you know I think he's also a really good example of toxic masculinity because his little ego gets hurt yeah uh, during that scene oh he is the embodiment of toxic masculinity yeah I mean because she rejects him in front of other people at this point where in the past it had just been her rejecting him in private um and then I think like he falls and gets covered in mud or something and yeah um at that point, <laughs> he's. I, I really do think that his pursuit of Belle at that point just becomes vindictive. Yeah, where totally. He's like, I'm going to have her because now, because you've made you've embarrassed me. Now yeah. I'm going to make this happen even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, definitely. So Philippe the horsey made its way all the way back to Belle, which alerted Belle that something was wrong with her father. So she went out to look for him. How does she find the castle? I think Philippe takes her. Oh, that's right. She gets on Philippe and they go there. That's right. That's right. So Belle gets to the castle and immediately when Lumiere sees Belle, he's like, this is the one. She's going to break the spell. It's the first woman to walk in through those doors ever. So she's got to be the one that falls in love with him, right? Obviously. Belle finds her father and like Keegan said, the beast comes down and is very, very angry that Belle is now in his castle as well. And Belle offers to go in her father's place and she has to promise to stay forever, which is horrible. Like that doesn't make any sense to me why the punishment for breaking and entering would be staying in the dungeon forever. I mean, this speaks to, and we can have this entire conversation about the beast because like, it speaks to the kind of person he is. And this movie really does a thing where it's just like, we can undo 
a lifetime of conditioning and trauma in like two days because love because what kind of person everything we've seen of the beast up until this point is he has mistreated the enchantress he doesn't seem to be very nice not even to his staff no um and he has now imprisoned somebody for no reason yeah for two people ever yeah and this is all with the knowledge that like he's had 10 years to be like i need to be a good person yeah so that someone will fall in love with me so that i can break this curse and and he don't give a fuck and he's still terrible so this movie really does this thing where it's just like he's an emotionally abusive asshole emotionally stunted petulant child who redeems himself in like two days because reasons well it is interesting because a lot of the suggestions that are made to make him improve himself are made by lumiere um like it's lumiere that says like we should give her a more comfortable place to stay if she's going to be here forever we shouldn't just leave her in the dungeon because he wanted to just leave her in the dungeon and then he goes back and he's like let me show you your room and she's like what you're showing i get a room but what's wrong with you that you're like i think it's cool to keep you in this dungeon for yeah You shouldn't need other people to tell you that like this is maybe not chill. Yeah, (laughs) but then Lumiere also has like a like a little what's the word I'm looking for? He has a motive because he's like, uh huh. She, well, I have to make her fall in love with him or else what's going to happen to me? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like and you're like very self-serving. I get it. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to be a candlestick for the rest of eternity. Like I completely understand. And for something that you didn't even do. Like I'm like, I get it but i am like i don't know this movie and the relationship with the beast it is fully abusive i mean it it is abusive Well, and that's the thing just because her room is a little bit cozier doesn't mean she isn't still a hostage who isn't going through something horribly traumatic yeah i mean and the burden of forgiveness falls completely on her throughout the movie like she has to decide and decides immediately basically after he saves her from the wolves like um from the wolves he she immediately decides to kind of like forgive and forget and move on and that's good enough to completely transform him into a new person and like i said at the beginning there is really no character arc for Belle. Yeah. She's the same character at the end of the movie that she was at the beginning of the movie. She is a flawless perfect selfless woman who's beautiful um, who's beautiful whose love can fix a man and the only growth that we see is from the beast and i would argue that it is minimal growth nominal yeah it's it's (laughs) it's just like you went from an abusive piece of shit to a regular person well, and it's just very upsetting because i think that we were raised to have this belief that like if you just love someone enough enough yeah you know you can fix them yes. you can make them a better person it was very like, damaging to say that it's also really damaging to be like the more you're compliant the better his behavior will be like that's fucked up like you're allowed to say what you just did wasn't okay what you said hurt me things like that instead she's just saying it's okay it's okay it's okay it's okay yeah, I mean, that's she not, does, that's she not does how that works. Stand up to him in that she's like, you can't yell at me like right, that. Right, but that's like later in the movies, and it's, too. Again, the barest minimum of just like you need to treat me like a yeah actual person. Like one hundred percent. Um, very strange. <laughs> it's so, very strange. 
After that is the Gaston song. It is like one of the best songs in Disney history. I do think that this song is pretty um, pretty good as well in that like that hero worship that we get for these like toxic. Masculine. Yeah, I was wondering. I'm like, why does everyone in town love him so much? Like, he's like good at hunting and he's like hot and strong. Okay. That's it. Cool. All right. That's the only answer I needed. I got it. But society does do that. I mean, like in high school, how many guys were like that? Just like dumb. Rude, but attractive guys. They were attractive and they were on the football team, you know? Yeah, (laughs) They were just like, oh, okay. I guess everything you do is amazing. Yeah. So at the end of the song, Maurice the Daddio comes barging into the tavern and he tells everybody in there that Belle has been taken captive by a beast. He doesn't believe that she's actually taken by a beast. No one believes that this beast even exists. So no one knows that Belle is in danger. I have a lot of fucking questions about this, too, where I'm just like, this castle is not that far from where y'all live. Yeah. How do you not know about this? Do you not know that it's there? First of all. Secondly, he's a prince. Right? Yeah. So I assume he ruled over your village. Y'all aren't questioning at all where the royal family went. Points are being made. I. It's strange. It, okay. And what are, I mean, it's well, fine. Where were we in the writer's room? There's too many holes. Holes. So next up is Be Our Guest. And I know we were going to talk a little bit about the lyrics of that. But it, it is in this song, I guess, where they mention that they've been under the spell for 10 years. This song... um. Again, a banger. It slaps. Love it. It slaps. Uh, But the lyrics to this song are so troubling. I didn't have Um, my closed captions on, so I don't even know what these lyrics are. I remember like a few of them, but I'm curious. I I just feel like the way that class and like poor people are handled Mm. and like working class people are handled in this movie is weird. I feel that way about the villagers as well, that they're supposed to be... I think, and so is Belle, you know, kind of maybe a lower lower class, but Belle is drawn in such a way that's supposed to make us think that she's special, she's smart, and, you know, we're we're equating beauty to those positive traits, and the villagers are kind of, like, dumb and gullible, and they're drawn that way. Yeah. And I do think it is a classism thing, and I think that we see it a lot in animation, and we don't talk about it enough. Um, But in Be Our Guest some of the lyrics are life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving oh yeah he's not whole without a soul to wait upon oh no which is so like so we're just gonna say that their entire lives revolve completely around work they're two-dimensional characters who have nothing else going on and they are not fulfilled with their lives unless they are serving their master yeah it's Really, it's like like this capitalistic hellscape nightmare song. Who likes their job that nobody? Nobody should. You should have other things going on. And it's very weird that we treat these characters like this. Yeah. That, you know, these like, quote unquote, lower class characters are treated. They live to work. Mm -hmm. And they're super happy about it, even though they've... (laughs) you know their master is a complete asshole yeah so i mean I, they probably haven't done a whole lot of working in the last 10 years i don't know how I much mean, entertaining they're doing and things like that so maybe they're much. thrilled just have something to do yes which is what they say in the song yeah but it is very much like we live to serve yeah we the way live it's to serve. written is very yeah. 
very yeah. disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it that they're bored. That's fine. I mean, yeah, you've been a candlestick for 10 years. You probably are bored. Yeah. And your arms are probably really sore. Yeah. So I completely get it. But I'm also very disturbed by the lyrics of that given, you know, from a 2022 lens um, and the way that I feel about workers' rights yeah. right now. I uh, didn't love that. No, we don't love that. So it's after Be Our Guest that Belle decides to venture into the West Wing, not the TV show. The Beast finds her in the room. And again, of course, he loses his absolute shit. And this is when Belle does decide to run away. She jumps on her horse and she gets away, but she is stopped by a pack of wolves. As she fights them off, the Beast comes and he finishes the job, but not before being brutally attacked by one of the wolves. Belle gets the Beast home and... So now that we're at the point in the movie where we start to see her attitudes change toward the beast a little bit, let's get into some of the Stockholm Syndrome situation stuff. We'll start talking about some of the feminist themes, things like that, since we kind of know how the movie ends from there. So something that I think is important to note is that Stockholm Syndrome is not a mental health diagnosis. It is a coping strategy for those who have undergone extreme trauma or abuse by another person. So it does make it a little bit more open to interpretation because you don't actually need like a diagnosis. Right. I mean, and if you look at the history of Stockholm Syndrome, where we got the word, um, I believe it was like a bank heist. It was a bank heist. That lasted several days in Stockholm. And the reason why, there's a really great criminal podcast episode about um, that incident. And they, they interview a lot of people who were there and like what they were feeling. And a lot of it is not the way we think of Stockholm Syndrome today, which is just that like, um, I just came to empathize and love my captor. It was more that like they were they they developed a bond with their captor because they were afraid the police outside were gonna kill them. So they yeah, were like, well, that's actually a really um common symptom, I guess, if you want to call it that, of someone with Stockholm syndrome is that they will have like a lot of distrust for authority figures and police. And that is secondarily because of what their captor has said or made them feel and things like that in a lot of situations. I don't know about that that one. one. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, they grow distrusting of everybody yeah, else that and makes they sense. only grow to trust their captor mm-hmm. um, because in order to survive the, the victim slowly begins to change how they see their abuser from negatively to positively it is a way for us to go on living life in horrible circumstances in order to survive right? yeah it makes perfect sense and you know I feel like that is the number one critique you see of this movie is that Belle is a Stockholm syndrome victim right um, and I think that the argument can be made for that I would argue and I told you this before you started recording yeah. that she's not there long enough for right this to and have I think actually- I forgot about that like that didn't really make sense in my head when I was thinking about it that it was a short period of time that she was there I think it would make more sense if she was a Stockholm syndrome victim because I would be like it I would understand it more yeah because as it is I'm just like but she they do flips. have to make the story move really fast yeah she at the same time quickly um but at the same time she's also thrown into a situation where she has to rely on him yeah so maybe that can happen quickly you know what I mean I, and I don't I don't think we're here to diagnose Belle or no. anything like that but I think it's still an interesting thing to look at because she very quickly does turn to 
not only just like tolerate him but love him and it's very bizarre yeah right? it, it is it is truly because she can leave too like yeah. it's just like you the gate is open my yeah dude. like the door is unlocked nobody stopped you last time right <laughs> it's her own mind that's keeping her from and maybe the wolves well and also, the wolves probably. that's a great point <laughs> So I read a few articles that argued against Stockholm Syndrome being present in Beauty and the Beast. This one therapist named Nicole Richardson says something that I completely disagree with, so I'm going to read it right now. Labeling the relationship of Belle and the Beast as Stockholm Syndrome could trivialize the experience of those who may have actually developed such a disorder. I don't disagree with that. Belle is given a nice, clean place to stay, Mm. allowed books, one of her favorite things. She's fed well, able to go outside and play, and even have contact with her father. She is not verbally or emotionally abused, beaten, or tortured in any way. And then I wrote, (gasps) did we watch the same movie? Did they not watch? First of all, I don't think they watched this movie. Secondly, I think what kind of... I would really like to know the credentials of whoever wrote this article. Because... I don't understand how you can say in one breath that you feel like saying that Belle is a Stockholm Syndrome victim trivializes their experiences and then say that if somebody is kidnapped and imprisoned and held captive against their will, but it's a nice enough bedroom, that it's fine. Yeah. Like, doesn't that trivialize the experience of a good number? I mean, a lot. I'm sure that there have been people who have been kidnapped and imprisoned who were given yes. nice circumstances. Well, yeah, like, and there's a lot of cases of kidnapping, especially when it comes to like parent-child kind of situations where it's like the kid doesn't really know they've been kidnapped. They've been given a perfectly happy life, things like that. But you're still denying them freedom. Exactly. And autonomy. They like, don't know that, but you are. And you're you're and traumatizing Belle them. does know that. And she wasn't given contact with her family members. She wasn't. No. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. She's allowed all of these things after the beast starts to begin to soften to her or after Lumiere has said like, hey, we should do this thing for her. That's it. Yeah. I mean, as far as whether or not Belle is a Stockholm Syndrome victim. I think that the argument could be made either way, but I think it is what is very clear is that she was abused, emotionally yes. abused, um mentally abused. But I just don't know what else you would I mean, and I'm not saying we have to call it anything, but like what else would you call that when someone has been abused so badly? Well, I think they I think the reason why turn around to cope by making their life better I think the reason why people tend to not see it as Stockholm Syndrome or those people who want to make that argument is that I don't think they see her feelings for the beast as a product of the abuse like I think that the and I don't think that the movie wants you to see it that way right like of course not the the movie wants you to see it as a mutual genuine like care and affection for each other and I think that you're supposed to feel that way because she decides you know he saves her and then she decides to go back and and be what she makes a choice and I think that and again there are many kidnapped victims that will leave and have jobs and lives and all that stuff and still come home maybe not on the day they got kidnapped no no though, no which is after like, some time which yeah i feel like is what happens with Belle. it's literally like the day or the next day yeah and she's um, like i'm here forever now oh you're gonna give me all the books i can ever want i'm good yeah so i think that that's probably the argument that that people make as to why it's not stockholm syndrome is because it doesn't feel like a product or it's not supposed to feel like it's a product of abuse like yeah. it doesn't feel like she's been quote-unquote brainwashed um into staying with him it yeah. feels like she this is just she's a good person and she sees the good in him and like they're gonna make it work which is 
troubling enough. Yeah. Like, I let's feel not like, do that. I feel like that to me is more, almost more troubling because it I, truly, I'm not exaggerating, this movie and movies like it, because they were run amok in the 90s, yeah. shaped the way that I viewed relationships yes and my role in relationships and what i viewed as this is what you need to do to be a good person yeah and what you need to do to be a good woman and that is to you know always go along to get along um always see the good in people always go above and beyond even when they're being terrible to you yeah. um, because if you just work hard enough you know the good is going to outweigh the bad and it's and you can get through anything and to me that's the messaging of this movie that i find um really troubling and the fact yeah, that this should be like a let's watch for the red flags game that you yeah, watch with your children yeah. you know <laughs> and the fact that it's all about his growth it's really about his story yeah she doesn't really make any decisions that don't have to do with a man i mean she she ends up in the beast castle in the first place because she had to go you know bail her, her father bumbling, out yeah bail her bumbling father out um you know and then she ends up in the other situation because she's got to go find him again yeah <laughs> every situation all the men in her life are just falling apart yeah i mean every decision that she makes it's great that we have this active heroine you know that we haven't really seen before in other disney movies but the result at the end where Belle ends up it's the same it's yeah, exactly I wonder the same what as their life princess. is gonna look like after the movie well ended. we don't even know if they're really compatible they're just like two people in proximity yeah <laughs> like, you know we the have, only woman he's seen in the last 10 years yeah we have no idea if these two people are would even work in real life um but we've we have sequels straight to D, to to VHS, and I did own them and watch them, and um, we are led to believe that they lead a very happy life together. Have you seen so, the Christmas movie? Oh, it's the best one. Oh, Tim Curry as the my. organ. Yes, amazing. That was like one of my favorite holiday movies as it's a kid. I was so, obsessed. Honestly, it's really good. It's really good <laughs> for a Disney movie sequel. It is so good. It's really um, good. But yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's that that really bothers me about this is that it's very clearly supposed to be this third wave feminism. Like she's got a personality. She likes to read books. She's different. She has ambition in theory. Um, but at the end of the day, she's not that her fate is not that far removed from Cinderella. Yeah. Or anyone else. It's like she falls in love with a guy she barely knows. Yeah, um, it really seems like it's just the personality traits of Belle herself that make her more of like a feminist character, not so much of her actual like life and story. Yeah, the writing let her down. Yes, um, definitely. But, but also, I think that comes from how could it not when you're trying to adapt a 4,000 year old story <laughs> story that was written to try and yeah and I think that especially thinking about the fact that it was like a primarily you know it was primarily written by a woman yeah you know we have a lot of those expectations as well but again being a woman where you have to share your ideas with probably a very large group of men and have them agree to it for it to actually get into the movie it's not like her writing yeah automatically oh, yeah. made it into the film you know yeah I'm sure there were a lot of things that she had to compromise about like kind of how I mentioned earlier on but it is it's frustrating then that because she was the first female writer of a Disney animated film 
you would expect a different ending or at least a little bit more explanation yeah. as to how these this relationship happened. I think she was up against a lot. I'm sure um, she was. I'm sure she was. I mean, she has continued to have an illustrious career uh, writing for Disney. So it's it, she's continued to write. But... I, I, it wasn't a singular decision. I think there were a lot of writers on this movie. Um, yeah. And my guess would be that the majority of them were men. men. I would assume so. Especially she was the first woman. I'm assuming that everybody else around her was for the most part going to be men. You yeah. know? Yeah. But I think also there weren't a lot of other stories at this time, especially not, you know, animated movies and Disney movies that were teaching those kinds of morals. They were teaching sure. the moral of, you know, like, what is the moral of this movie? Kindness brings out the beauty in everyone. I think so. Like she's she's kind. She sees goodness in people, which those and are that makes positive. them good, right? Those are positive. I mean, saying like that you can see the good in people. I it's something that I strive to do. You know, I I, I call it because of listening to all the Tara Brock thing in, in Buddhism. They call it like seeing the gold, right? Yeah, you want to see that like underneath there. There is a good person. And I think that's true for the majority of people. But I think it's harmful when you're like, there's got to be a good person down there. So I'm going to stick around until I see and it. And I'm going to sacrifice my freedom, my well-being, my relationships with yeah. my f- family. And I think that anybody that's been in a bad relationship or an abusive relationship watches this movie and hears what we're talking about and is like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, totally. I mean, and we didn't even touch on... <laughs> the fact that, and I, again, I know that this is based on an old script, um, but we didn't even touch on the fact that she is literally beauty. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she is, I mean, and granted, he's reduced to beast. beast. Um, but, but her name, Belle, means, means beauty. beauty. Yeah. yeah. And that is obviously supposed to be equated with her goodness and her yeah. kindness. Like those things are inextricably linked because them being talked, it even being talked about the way that it's talked about her beauty. Um, it's just to me, it, it it's what message are they sending there? You know, yeah. like, I just feel it's like- important to be beautiful. Well, and I mean, in all Disney movies, you see the like ugly old stepmother, you know, if they're bad, they're, ugly or if they're stupid or if they're poor yeah you know um you give them unattractive physical features features. yeah Yeah, you know it's just eh, it's not the best (laughs) it's it's not the best yeah this movie i love it i will always watch it um it's a beautiful movie but i do think that what it says about relationships and i honestly feel like there's just kind of an icky class thing bubbling under the surface here that yeah, which I never I don't really love. thought about until you mentioned it but yeah it's, it's definitely always there. bothered me that yeah. this, at, you know I never really thought about it either but it did always bother me that the servants have to be trapped there with this guy. yeah that never made sense to me I was like what did they do yeah I'm like this is real messed up um but I guess it turns out that they didn't have anything in their lives anyway the, all no, they wanted to do was surf no families to go back to in the local village or anything I nope. guess so, no Lumiere um, had that little feather duster that he was here for yeah and that's another thing where like all of the like women objects are like house- overly sexual there's they're either sexual or matronly yeah Mrs. Potts or the feather duster and they are all like feminine items like, yes they're all, oh like, a feather duster or like a, a or wardrobe a teapot yeah or a teapot you know um, I didn't even notice that yeah they're like lady <laughs> stupid all of the, the the female identifying um 
household characters, character enchanted objects. staff. Yeah. <laughs> Always staff. loved that the footstool was a doggy. Oh, me too. I mean, I do love this movie. I do too. Even given all of that. But yeah. it is a good one to discuss because you revisit it through a feminist lens and you're like, there are problems here. There are many, <laughs> many, many problems. I mean, that's the beauty of watching all these Disney movies. I think for me, that's almost like part of the fun of it is fo- like pointing those things out and still being able to enjoy these movies yeah. and things like that. Because yeah. it's not like so bad that I'm like, I can't watch oh, this. No, it's, it's, it goes against my morals. It's you a know? lesson in looking back and, you know, telling my younger self like, oh, this is why like this is why you thought all those things yeah um because this is the media you were consuming at that time and i think as long as we can look at it now with fresh eyes um and see the take the good from it because there is good to be gleaned there yeah you know take the good from it dump the bad (laughs) you know be like "Mm, we leave that behind if i were to show this to a young girl now i would probably have a conversation with her about like you know that that's not okay, right? Yeah, you know? I mean, whenever I watch movies with kids when things like that come up, I always just tend to kind of make like a little comment in the moment where I'll be kind of like, oh, "That's." do you think that's right that he did that? I think that's kind of wrong that he did yeah. that. And they'll go, yeah, I think so too. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to make it a whole lecture, but it's like when you're watching, just keep an active yeah. conversation with yeah, your kids you know. about that kind of stuff because it's not like don't show them this movie, but I think it's also important because the books we read, the movies we watch, they are lessons and oh, yeah. we learn from them. Yes. It's teaching your child what lesson they should take from it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, if a man throws a chair in your general direction, maybe call it a day. You yeah. Know, maybe don't go out with him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't believe Belle would just think would just kind of move on from that that's really not okay I I wish she would have left after that you know something (laughs) anyone ever throws a chair at you you tell me and I'll kill him (laughs) wow you heard it here (laughs) all elbows and knees everybody elbows and knees this is what Madigan is promising if if you have her babysit I'm gonna be a great parent If you have any recommendations for topics that you would like for us to cover in the future, please, please, please email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on our Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We also have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. Last but not least, if you haven't done so already, please make your way over to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. It not only helps us out a ton, but it makes our day to read what you have to say. All right, that's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to To raise them. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.